Good to have you back, the Bill Michaels Show. Final hour of the program. Talking some NFL, we talked a lot of Badgers in the first couple of hours, talked a little racing. Bottom of the hour, you're going to hear from Helio Castroneves, in case you missed it in the first hour of the show. Four-time Indy 500 winner, and here on as the, we'll say, the Indy ambassador uh, in Milwaukee for the Milwaukee Mile, and kind of previewing the fact that uh, the mile is going to be roaring yet again this season come Labor Day weekend, and you're going to have Indy cars running around the oval. So you'll hear that at the bottom of the hour. In the meantime, we want to talk a little more NFL chatter. And so, Grant, you had uh, some of the things that uh, Peter King was a little bit leery of regarding the NFL, throwing out some foreshadowing here as if he was the Nostradamus of the NFL to say these are things you need to be concerned with. What were they? Well, the big one in here is he talks about gambling. And I don't know if he thinks that this is more of a a scourge on the NFL or something that could actually damage the NFL down the line. It's certainly not damaging them financially right now. He wrote a lot in this column, his final one from earlier this week, about how the NFL is really pressuring people to gamble and encouraging young people, especially probably young men like me, to gamble and how this is going to lead to... A lot of gambling addiction down the line. And the NFL is kind of spearheading a lot of this. And it was interesting mm-hmm. to, to hear and, and to read his writing about it. I don't think it was out of touch. Um, maybe he's a little bit old-fashioned, but I don't know that I totally disagree with him. I, I don't know that I love all the gambling stuff that the NFL pushes. I uh, am, I guess because we were sitting in Las Vegas for a Super Bowl, it was a little surreal. I mean, you you were over at the sports book, right? You threw some some, and that wasn't on the NFL, but it was. And maybe you did. I can't remember, but I know you were you know sitting with Eric Eager and the guys. You guys were you know kind of betting on a few games and you know parlays or prop bets or whatever, right? Yeah, just a little bit. I threw some Super Bowl futures down. Well, future it was a week away, but some bets on the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So I think that without all of what's going on, I think many of us probably would either put, it would go back to, the, the only thing the NFL did was jump on board with DraftKings and FanDuel and, and you know, now it's what, it, you know, ESPN's got ESPN Bet. They have their own betting network now. You know, tell me that they're not capitalizing. Um, and shows are dedicated to betting. I mean, that's, you know, how some of these personalities that are on the air today got their start because they were, they were handicappers and telling you who would and wouldn't win. So I think it was always in the shadows and what all the other ones did was bring it out into the open. But what they also did with the apps was put it at your fingertips. I mean, I've said before that if it wasn't for like Amazon and delivery and money that you don't actually see, because that's why I like to carry cash a lot of the time. Because when I pay, I can see what I'm spending, and that becomes painful. Where it's just a number that you're transferring on a swipe, it doesn't become painful. So that's the where the addiction can be. And the fact that you can go to FanDuel. My buddy Scotty was never, ever a gambler. Now every day we talk, he's putting down a six-play parlay, and he only does that. But he does. he's not betting a lot of money, but he's probably betting – 30 bucks a week 
And he's got a pretty good job. I mean, 30 bucks a week is no, is no big deal. But 120 bucks a month is, is an expense that he never had before. And it's because now gambling in Ohio on the apps is legal. So, yeah, I can I can take that and say, yeah, there might be a, a – I don't think it's necessarily just the NFL. But I can say that, yeah, there's probably, you know, the future of problems, yeah, wholeheartedly. He said, and I'll read you this quote, he did some interviews this week and he kind of delved deeper. So this will be, you know, it's not a paragraph, but I'll read you kind of two of his thoughts. He says, I, uh, the other thing I believe right now is the NFL is going to regret some of its decisions on gambling and sports betting. I believe that 10 years from now, we're going to have a huge number of people in this country who are hopelessly addicted to sports gambling. And part of the reason is that they're being told every five minutes on every NFL telecast, bet, 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 and bet some more. I just don't think it's healthy, and I right. simply don't think that just because gambling is allowed and gambling is legal, you ought to embrace it to the point that the NFL is. I think they've gone way overboard. I like my money and like my stuff. I don't think it'll ever affect me. But he's right. He's right. I, you know, you you go to some of these sports bars and stuff. And I mean, hell, I sit, you know, every now and then. I haven't had one in a while, but you go down to Nice Ash and sit there and have a cigar. And there's a couple of guys always down there that are talking, you know, on their phones. And they're like, yeah, I just hit this or I didn't hit that or, oh, I lost out on one point. That's what they do. And they're doing it on their phones. Where before you had to go out and physically do it. You had to go to a sports book. You had to go go somewhere. Now, everybody remembers the old, you know, every game on a card and you pick the games. You either pick the winners or pick the spreads. You know, everybody remembers those because I did it. God, I was doing it back when I was probably a freshman in high school, you know, to a, a larger extent, 10 bucks a week or whatever it was. But I think what all this does is brought, it just brought it out into the open and it's made it more accessible. So, yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. And the fact that the NFL is the biggest, baddest dog in the block. Yeah. A lot of people follow that and they make it like, you know, with the celebrities of Fitzpatrick and Kevin Hart. I mean, that's probably the one that comes to mind for everybody, but they make it like it's, it's a fun thing to do. Like you're not a part of the crowd if you're not betting. And that's what entices you like, okay, let me see what this is all about. And sometimes for some people, when you open the Pandora's box, it, it'll get you. It, it's just, I, I hate to say that part of it's self-response. It's like drinking. You know, people want to ban gambling but not ban drinking. Oh, my God, don't touch my beer. Drinking is probably far more addictive than gambling would be on your phone as far as the actual chemical change within your body. So, you know, if you're going to start banning stuff because people don't have their own control, then you're, you're going to start banning everything. You better watch. It's a slippery slope. But I, I can see where there's going to be issues down the road, yeah. Absolutely. I look, I'm a believer in free choice. If you want to bet, I I think you should be able to bet. I've seen, you know, Peter King saying, well, 10 years down the road, we're gonna have all these gambling nations. I tell you, I'm in college, all my friends are poor. And they're dumping 1000s of dollars over the course of a semester in college to, you know, bet on NFL games or to bet on NBA mm -hmm. every day, something on we got to be betting on it. Um, and I bet a little bit when I was in Vegas, it just didn't do a whole lot for me. It's fine. Right. I waste my money on other things. But for some people, it's this itch that they always always, always, always need to scratch. And I I don't think the NFL has probably eased that problem. Now they're going to preach, like, you know, responsible gambling and stuff. And, you know, PSAs, they'll run those throughout games too. But I can't say that I totally disagree with Peter King. I, I just don't really know what the solution is. Here's the problem with a gambler uh, as opposed to an alcoholic. An alcoholic, you can find yourself in a bad situation. Uh, maybe you've lost your job, whatever. And then all of a sudden you look at yourself and go, go okay, I need help. A gambler, and I've seen this, 
Um, not often, but I've seen it in two different occasions, two different people that I know specifically. Uh, now, out of all my buddies, okay, out of all the friends that I know that bet you know, weekly, they have fantasy teams and all that kind of stuff. So everybody's playing. Every guy I know is playing. Everybody around me has got something. So out of all the people I know, two people I know that have had the gambling problems via, you know, like, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, and going into the local sports book. Uh, the thing with gambling is you don't you you're you're trying to win back all that you've lost on big plays because you now have lost everything. I mean your your car is gone, your home is gone, your fi- things are gone, your family is now destitute. You that's the one thing. I mean, like an alcoholic, you can you can chemically try to help. You know, you can see it coming. Gambling, you wake up one day and they keep it quiet, and you have no idea that you're completely broke. Except for the gambler, they know it, and then they're out scrounging money for other people, and that's the way two of my friends. It was, it was, it was a bad, bad scene, a bad scene, and it was, it was because of gambling. Other than that, everybody I know, I know more people that became alcoholics over the year. And hell, I had my, my grandfather was an alcoholic. I had alcoholics in my family. I had known far more alcoholics than I've ever known gambling, uh, you know, gambleholics, so to speak. So, what else? Well, well, he talked about head trauma, too, and I can read you what he said. He he thinks the head trauma stuff is getting better. He said, I think there are two boogeymen. One was the gambling we just talked about, and his other comment was, one is the continued trouble over head trauma. A lot of things that the NFL is doing now, the NFL wasn't doing 15 or 20 years ago. I'm not saying it's a game changer. It's a game improver. That's number one. I don't know if that's a problem that the NFL will ever be able to totally fix. No. But I think they've done... I think so far, just about everything they can do to make that problem as as minimal as possible. You don't need to look any further than Tua. The whole world went crazy when Tua stood up and staggered, and then they looked at us and said, oh, no, he, you know, whatever it was, he cramped up or had the wind knocked out of him or what. And we all knew. We all knew. So we were aware of it. We now know the symptoms to look for. So... In that essence, the NFL has done a tremendous job in schooling not only the people within the sport, but the casual fan. When Tua went down, uh, was it a, who, who was it against the Packers? I think it was against the Packers. He went down, and you you knew he was concussed. You knew he had some issues, and maybe it was Buffalo earlier than that. But then he played. Then they cleared him. We, oh no, he's fine. He was just, and we all knew it was crap. And we were all aware of it. We were all saying this is a joke. And then he gets hit in Cincinnati where he's, you know, laying on the, the you know, the Bengals logo, giving you the Crips and a blood sign with his fingers because his body's completely tensed up because he's taken another concussion. Uh, and that's when it, we all went, oh, okay, we, we told We knew. So the awareness for, for head trauma as opposed to in the past. In the past, if you would have said, oh, no, he got the wind knocked out of him on that play too, we all would have went, oh, okay. You know? We, we would have believed it, but now we all know the awareness and what to look for when it comes to head trauma and concussions. We all do. So I think the NFL has done a tremendous job in making people aware of concussions, of the symptoms, even baseline, what you're looking for. Um, and, and, you know, we can all look at a guy and go, yeah, he's a little wobbly, he's a little glassy-eyed getting up, all that kind of thing, because we get it now. So I think they've done a tremendous job, and I agree with you 100%. You are never in this kind of a physically fast, bigger, better, stronger, violent sport ever going to get rid of concussions. It's just a part of the game. What you can do now, though, with how teams don't hit in practice, 
all the little sub-concussions, the sub-concussion incidents that they used to have in practice where guys never really had a concussion in their career, but all the little head hits and the trauma that they took in practice and two-a-days and all that stuff, you don't have that anymore because you only have so many days you're going to hit, and then you have rest days after that. So they've done a great job in saying, let's make sure we allow the brain to heal. And I'm going to be anxious to see what guys are like in 10 years that are coming out of the league. You see guys now, I mean, you saw, you know, what Jim McMahon's going through when we were out of the Super Bowl. He's got all kinds of health issues, and a majority of it is in the head. So you see guys from that era, from 85 to 95 into 2005, you get it. Now I'm anxious to see the guys that are now playing in this decade as they start to retire if they are having the same, you're always going to have knee issues and finger issues and joint issues and you get beat up. But now we're going to see if these guys have the head trauma and the head issues and the lingering effects to their minds, the way previous players have had. And if they don't, or the percentage has gone down significantly, then what we've seen out of the NFL and the awareness has done its job because you're never going to totally eliminate it, but it's done its job. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense. I I really like what you said about taking all the little hits away. Like if you get popped once, we've all banged our head really bad once. Your head can bounce back as long as you recover. (laughs) Well, you you would know, right? I would know. But the idea is you don't want that occasional big hit to be mixed in with all of these constant little ones, like in boxing, right? It's all the little spars and, and punches that you take during practice over the course of weeks and months. It's not necessarily the one big hit that has these long lasting effects. Yeah. Let's do this. We'll continue with this when we come back. Stay tuned. We're talking uh, a lot of NFL, some of the parting shots from Peter King as he uh, wrote his final, final column and some things to think about regarding the NFL coming up next in the Bill Michael. This is the Bill Michael show on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network. Good to have you back. The Bill Michael Show. We continue on. Bottom of the hour, Elio Castroneves, four-time Indianapolis 500 champion. You're going to hear that conversation as he is in town promoting the IndyCar race coming up Labor Day weekend out at the Milwaukee Mile at Wisconsin State Fair Park. In the meantime, we continue on talking about uh, the NFL and Peter King. Um, kind of, you know, giving a few uh, parting shots to say, be a little bit leery of this if you're in the NFL or around the NFL regarding uh, whether it's fan base, gambling, headshots, all that kind of stuff. So what else did he have to say? Anything else? Those were mostly the two biggies. And I'm glad he didn't go on this long diatribe about how the NFL is in trouble because I, I wouldn't be able to take it seriously. Like the NFL no. continues to... Um, like further the gap between them and baseball and them in the NFL. Like it's, right. and it's only, it's only getting more and more exaggerated how much better and how much more popular football is relative to the other sports. I think, did we, did you, well, did you, did you enjoy baseball more last year? Be, are you saying because of the pitch clock and some of the rules? Just changes? in general, just in general. I mean, you can look at all that other stuff to say whether you did or you didn't, but did you, I, I found myself, me personally, I really enjoyed baseball last year. I think it's got some vast innate flaws. And the number one problem with baseball is salary cap. And I that will always be a sticking point, I think, with most most fans. If, if fans turned away and said, look, 
half of the teams that are in play today don't even have a shot at going out and getting some of these guys. You know, screw you. We're out. You know, as a, as a fan, why should I spend my money when my team can't even afford to compete with that team when it comes to salary? And I think uh, the fans hold the power. If the fans said, we're not watching it, we're turning it off, and everything, the fans would cause Major League Baseball to say, okay, we really have to take a look at this. And the Players Association would have to take a look at it. But I think this year baseball had a resurgence. The, the viewership was up. The, uh, the pace of play was much better. There was more action. You really didn't even have time to, to go to the concession stand uh, and get what you needed to get before and get back before you almost missed a half an inning because it was just going so fast, which is good. Don't get me wrong. But it also took people off their phones. People were actually watching and enjoying the game, I think, a little bit more this past season. But they still have some just terrible, 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 ugly flaws in Major League Baseball. Whereas the NFL, that thing just keeps getting bigger. And it's you you, you always wonder when something gets that big and takes on this – almost the NFL's got a life of its own now. Like – it's a it's a 365 you know season and it consumes everything in most talk shows anymore don't even deal with a lot of the minor sports like we used to and and now we will we'll we'll talk high school basketball and such we're going to you know do a program about that and some segments about that we're talking a little racing we talk brewers we you know we've talked bucks but once the NFL is prevalent almost nothing else matters it it you just wonder if it's ever going to get so big it's going to consume itself You know, and I mentioned this right before we took a break at one o'clock, like comparing the way that the NFL does contracts and the salary cap to the NBA and to Major League Baseball. Now, the NBA has a salary cap, but what I think a lot of fans are bothered by in the NBA is this idea that you have to pay a guy max money or you lose him and you're screwed, right? In the NFL, quarterback can get a massive deal. Daniel Jones made... 40 million bucks a year. It's like, man, what a contract. We're two years into that thing, and his que- his future with the Giants is already in question right? because he hasn't performed. Whereas in baseball, like Anthony Rendon can sign a 10-year deal and suck and say that baseball really doesn't matter that much to him, and it's, it's guaranteed. He's going to get the rest of that money, and he's going to have to be at the major league level or be paid by the major league ball club no matter how well he plays. Here's the problem with the NBA. As opposed to, like this year in the NFL – nobody would have predicted the Green Bay Packers going into Dallas and whooping their ass the way they did. Nobody. Maybe a few diehard Packers fans were kind of predicting it, but I think it's more of a hope, wishful thinking than anything. But in the NBA, you have maybe three, four teams that are legitimate with legitimate contenders. Like right now, if I had to say, I mean, now, if the Bucks lost Giannis, their season's done. You know, they'd be done. If, you know, Denver loses Jokic, they're done. You know, so it's so much. Much like football, it hangs on a particular player like a quarterback. But right now, if you had to pick the winner of the NBA and you were going to bet your house, I think the majority of us would say the team that's been a runaway favorite this year is Boston. They have looked stronger. Uh, what what are they won like nine in a row now? Their margin of victory is huge. They're 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 it, and I don't really see unless the Bucks, with the talent that they have, catch fire. I don't see anybody else in the East at least knocking them off. I just don't. Uh, Cleveland's not going to the Knicks. The Heat the Heat get hot at the right time, but I don't think the Heat are going to. Seventy Sixers they they're going to continue, and that's the thing. Like the Seventy Sixers, you got to pay Embiid because otherwise you're not relevant. 
But in the grand scheme of things, you're not winning championships either. Well, it's the but same with you, the Celtics. You got to right. pay Jalen Brown like he's the best player in basketball, even though everyone right. knows he's not. Right. But you. But right now, you have that team that is together for quite a bit of time with Al Horford. Now Drew Holiday into the mix. Add him. You've got those guys where you know this is your window. You're you're going to pay that amount of money. The difference. What I'm saying is, is in the NFL. I think we could look at the NFL and go eight teams with wild card, seven teams with wild card, both sides, 14 teams. The majority of them, we probably could say they get they get hot, they have a legitimate shot. We thought Cleveland with Joe Flacco was going to be good. We thought that C.J. Stroud with a, with a team of up-and-comers could go in and possibly, and they, they for the most part, kind of for a while went toe-to-toe with Baltimore, and Baltimore was supposed to be the cream of the crop, and they didn't get there. In the NBA, that doesn't happen. It's, it just doesn't. Unless unless your main guy, like you know the Bucks last year with Giannis going down with the injury and the back issues, unless your main guy goes down, the NBA, you know what it is. You know who's going to win it. There's, there's two, three, maybe four teams. In the NFL, you don't have to spend that level of money on one or two or three or every guy because we all know you're only as good as your weakest link, but there's so many of them and so many factors that go into that into winning and coaching and strategy becomes so much more. More than in the NBA. Because really in the NBA, yeah, you're going to tinker. Doc Rivers is going to get him into a, a rhythm and into a schedule and into you know understanding defense and all that kind of stuff a little bit more, and they're going to become a de- better defensive team. But for the most part, Doc doesn't win it if he doesn't have Garnett and Ray Allen. I think you or I could have coached that team. When he was in Boston and they won the championship, you and I could have said, guys, go score more than them. And they would have. Where the NFL is just different. It's a different animal. But I agree with you. Paying everybody these max contracts because you're so afraid. But also, you're looking into the abyss. I don't think you you get phenoms. And if you don't have a phenom, you're not going to win. You know, when LeBron was young, if you didn't have LeBron, you weren't going to the finals. If you didn't have Steph Curry, you're not going to the finals. You know, if you didn't have some of those complimentary pieces around him, you weren't going to the finals. But you you could trade, like Atlanta's going to pay Trey Turner all that money, and rightfully so, but they're not going anywhere. Not unless you get one of these other massive stars or they draft a star that is then the other superstar to go along with him. Then suddenly if you got two of them or even three of them, if you got the, the, the big three, we'll say, then you're a legitimate contender for a title. Otherwise you're not. doesn't matter what you do, what you spend, none of it, because it, it, it's just not going to matter. That's the difference with the NBA. And why they pay those stupid contracts to some people, I have no idea. But you talk to guys that have played in the NBA that weren't around for this type of money at this type of time, they just shake their head like, are you kidding me? Some guys that are average players at best are making 10 and $12 million bucks a year. That's crazy money. Crazy money. I think execs, by the way, in the NFL also look at the NBA and probably laugh. They're like, look at this, look at this league over yeah. here. They're paying max money to Jalen Brown. The you know primetime game on Thursday night on TNT. None of the stars are playing. Like, come on, right? The All Star game. They no. laughed at the All Star game. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and that was the other thing. The uh, that I if you saw that I can't. We can't even play the Kevin Garnett podcast back because he dropped so many f bombs in it. You you wouldn't even understand what he was saying. But he points the finger at LeBron, saying you were the face of the NBA for so many years, and you refused to participate in anything. After the first dunk contest, you were too big for that. 
I mean, he went, he rips him for even like charity events, like his own charity events. It's like you, you, you're bothered with it. He shows up, not, doesn't even stay. Bothered to shake hands, bothered to be around people. He's just, he said he is the, he was the, he's ruined the NBA because all the young guys pass after him have been led down this path of, I'm a star. I don't need to do all that crap anymore. And instead of being humble, getting the money and still being a personable character in the NBA, in the face of the NBA, because the NBA, let's face it, you know, it's always Green Bay against Chicago or Kansas City against Pittsburgh or what, you know, what, whatever that may be, or Kansas City against Buffalo. Whereas it's LeBron against Giannis. And what LeBron did was ruin the NBA as the face of the NBA to say, you are beneath me. I don't have to do this. And the NBA had absolutely zero balls to stand up and say, yes, you do. Because he had all the power. And, and they say he – that's why Kevin Garnett's right. I mean, I know he goes off and maybe a little bit far over the deep end, but he's right. He ruined the NBA because of the way players act today, because they follow LeBron's kind of path, that primrose path, to say, well, if he can do it, I can do it too. So uh, I've gone on far too long on that. Uh, anything else before we uh, take a break? I was going to say, Bill, the point of you going on and on, that's, that's the point of the show. You go on and on any day if you want to. I get all fired up. Certain things just piss me off. So That's why we're here. That's <laughs> yeah. the good stuff. All right, let's do this. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Elio Castroneves, four-time Indy, Indy 500 champion, joined us a little bit earlier today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Bill Michaels Show. Glad to have you back. A couple of segments to go. Earlier today, we talked a little racing. And uh, the IndyCars are coming back. Now, IndyCar is going to be here in the beginning of June. They're going to be doing the road course at Road America in beautiful Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. However, uh, over the Labor Day weekend, they're going to be running over at the Milwaukee Mile. And the Mile is going to have, I believe, the ARCA race is going to come back during Father's Day. They're going to have the Craftsman Truck Series uh, that's going to be there this year. And the IndyCars are going to be there as well. So, in uh, in town to promote that, and we had a chance to talk to him. I've known him and talked to him numerous times throughout uh, my career anyway. But uh, four-time Indy 500 champion Ilio Castro-Neves uh, is in town, and we talked with him and caught up with him a little bit earlier today. Take a listen. And he's very familiar with the Milwaukee Mile racing, coming back to the Milwaukee Mile over the Labor Day weekend. Helio, how you doing? Hey, Bill. Uh, you're absolutely right. Very familiar. I've been in this place I've been coming to this place for a long, long time, and I'm so only Milwaukee to take me out of a beautiful South Florida with 75 degrees <laughs> and coming here on the 20 degrees, my friend. I mean, only, only Milwaukee to make that happen. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's great to talk to you again. I got to ask you, the, the mile is a place that's different, only for the fact that one, I, what I remember from IndyCar coming here is the tremendous amount of uh, force that you guys have to use physically to keep the cars on the track because there really isn't much of a grade in this track. That's what makes this track so exciting, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. The banking is not very steep, so what happened is it becoming so difficult but uh, to find different grooves. But when you do it, 
oh, man, you start dominating out there. But I tell you what, when you, things go bad, too, you want to you wanna pack your bag and go home because it's, like, uh, it's very, very challenging. So this is why I enjoy it. It's a really cool place. I had one of the best in the business, which was Rick Mears, you know, telling me a lot of the new secrets of this place. And uh, I, without him, I wouldn't be able to, uh, to achieve what I achieved. So I'm really, really happy that not only IV, which is the main sponsor, uh, bringing back the, the race here in Milwaukee, but the city of Milwaukee as well, be able to support. And, and I tell you, the biggest winner is, is going to be the, the community. You know, the fans, they're going to enjoy it. They're going to have a great time. And uh, hopefully the weather is going to be much better than what it is right now. Uh, yeah, well, let's hope so. For gosh sakes, let's hope so. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you because what does it mean now, as, as a guy that's been there, done that, and really the veteran of the veterans on this uh, the IndyCar circuit, what does it mean to come back to the Milwaukee Mile after all these years? Well, you're talking about tradition, right? IndyCar and Milwaukee, they're basically DNA uh, together. So it's just like Indianapolis 500. Um, uh, they are the two oldest uh, circuit. In, in, in this planet, you know, uh, which is great to, to have that type of a heritage. People, I'm just, I just came out from another, uh, you know, place. People are talking about my dad used to bring me over here. So well, what kind of place do you hear that? Not many. So that's why it's so cool and it's so great. And that's why it's so special. So it's great to, that everybody's seeing that and, and bring it back because it will be not only one race, it'll be two races, Saturday and Sunday which you, makes even special. So if you cannot make the one one day, there is no excuse to not make the other one. Well, you, you bring up a good point because you go from, it used to be you go from the Indy 500 to here. That's True. the way it used to work True. out. Now you get it at Labor Day. But with all the road courses now, super speedways and such, and then you come into a mile. I mean, how much of an overhaul do you have to make mentally and to the car to be able to compete from going to, say, Indy or Texas or Phoenix or any of these other places or a road course like the, like the Road America to the mile? Yeah, the good news about the, the conversion of the cars and the transition of the speed, you know, the, the drivers are real well professional. The teams are incredible, uh, uh, reliable on those, on those aspects now. When I was talking about two races, one is going to be late in the day and the other one is going to be the early in the morning. So what happened is it's, it's going to be changing because our cars are very, very much in, in, uh, sensitive to those type of weather. And that's what I think is going to be uh, interesting to see. A lot of good cars, maybe one race doing well and not so well in the other one because it just changed the, uh, it just changed the weather. And the one thing I want fans to know about racing is when, when you would go to Road America, the one circuit that really had the pits open for everybody is IndyCar. You guys are friendly. You guys meet and greet. You guys do signings. I mean, you the fans actually get a chance to walk. Now, I don't know what it's going to be like at the mile, but you guys have been the more – oh because we know the popularity of what's happened with Formula One. We know NASCAR has been there. But IndyCar has really risen in popularity over the last couple of years, specifically higher. And it's, I think it's due in part because you guys are so unbelievably open and friendly and accessible, right? Look, we, uh, we're a big family, you know, uh, competition, really well uh, professional drivers and teams. And able to give a little extra to the fans is always, I think it's always part of it. And, uh, and because of Milwaukee's uh, mile is not such a big place, you'll be even more cozy. So everybody will have a chance to take picture of your car, favorite driver, uh, favorite car, and uh, and still enjoy the state fair. You know, it's it's a great place uh, to be to be having a good time, 
and uh, the plus of the racing is just going to make even better. Helio, it's always great to talk to you. I know you got to run, but I wanted to say thanks. Uh, if you remember this, we were at Road America. You and I uh, met for like the 10th time, I think. And I had my fian- now fiance with me, and you actually called her dad and wished him a happy Father's Day. Do you remember that? Oh, my God. Look at that. I do remember yeah. that, actually. Wow, that is incredible. Yeah. Well, see, we're still in the business, man. That's what I like that- it. Well, we're still above the dirt. We're still still doing well. You keep doing well, and we'll see you when you come back in, in uh, a little bit later in June and then again at Labor Day weekend, okay? Well, I'll, I hope to see you again. There you go. Helio Castroneves uh, joining us a little bit earlier today. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, when we come back, you have spoken. You have spoken. I thought it was rather interesting. I saw the results of a poll that the Journal Sentinel did, uh, Kurt Hogue, and when it comes to the Milwaukee Brewers. And you have spoken. And uh, we are almost like dead on in agreement, which is kind of scary. You know, when people start thinking like I think, it's kind of like, oh, boy, you know, is the world a, a, a worse off place when that happens? So we'll talk about that real quick before we get out of here. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back. Bill Michaels show. We continue on. Before we get out of here, I want to remind you Steel Tank Brewing on Roebuck Lane in Oconomowoc behind the Exonia Bank right off of 67. Open Tuesday through Sunday. This weekend and every weekend, they have brunches now, so you can stop in there for brunch. But don't forget, Friday night, Saturday night, check out Rally Point, which is behind Steel Tank. It's the music venue, and they've got a lot of top-notch music uh, in that place now. So check out Steel Tank Brewing, Roebuck Lane in Oconomowoc, right behind the Exonia Bank. And whether it's the good food, I, I love their Italian sub. Oh, my God. I, I That I would swear by. I I crawl on glass to get that thing. It's that good. Uh, but if you want that or any of their other great food, their poutine is fantastic. Uh, but just stop in. It's veteran-owned. They do a lot of their own brewing right there on the spot. Uh, Steel Tank Brewing with many different – you can find them in some of the local places as well, local haunts around town, around the Waukesha area. But Steel Tank Brewing, that is where it all originates. Steel Tank Brewing and Rally Point, uh, the new music venue right behind Steel Tank. You can stop in and check that out. All right, Grant, you tell me if this sounds about right. So the uh, Journal Sentinel put out a poll saying that, look, uh, it was 76 and a half wins was the projection for the Milwaukee Brewers. So they wanted to see what fans felt. And it says a whopping majority of 79.6% of the fans indicated they believe the Brewers are going to surpass that win total. The average number turned out to be 83.7. But the majority of people, the majority of fans, said 85 wins, which is what I said, said 85 wins. You, you round it up, say 84. By the time, if you go 83.7, you round it up to 84 wins. The Brewers would be in earshot of the playoffs uh, because last year Arizona, Arizona's Diamondbacks, they snuck into the postseason with 84 and then ultimately made the World Series but would more likely than not put them on the wrong side of the cut line. Last year was kind of a kind of an apparition, so to speak, by a couple of games. Still, that would very much put them in the mix in the division and that's not expected to have a runaway winner. We all know that. So they're saying that because it's flip-flopped, not great pitching anymore, but really good defense and a better offensive lineup, 
is the reason that this team is going to be um, a little bit less maybe, but as good as almost last year's team. They talk about the talented prospects, uh, the Brewers, Rays' style of roster and management and game-to-game usage. It looks like everybody loves, uh, for the most part, Pat Murphy. Uh, There's one person that said uh, foolish optimism, 89 wins on the season, which I think is a little bit much. Uh, But they took it from all over the place. The downside, most people look at it as saying, look, you got to fix Weimer, you got to fix Terang, uh, Yelich has to be consistent, and you lost two, your two big guns in the starting rotation. And it has proven over the years that Freddie Peralta and Wade Miley have, uh, almost like Puxatawney Phil coming out to see a shadow, have had times where they've had stints on the DL, and you can't afford that with this team. But most, by the time it was a, a finished consensus, feel that even though you lost – those those wins from Corbin Burns and the more quality starts, but you've picked up offense and you're not going to you're not going to miss a beat with Pat Murphy. So the uh, addition of the offense that's going to play on an everyday basis, and really not much of a drop off, if any, from Pat Murphy is the reason that fans feel like this team is actually going to uh, be as good as maybe last year's team. There you go. Disagree with any of that? No, I don't know that their pitching is going to get that much worse. Unless you think Colin Ray is going to turn into a bum. Like, they didn't have Brandon Woodruff last year. Now, they don't have Burns now, but Aaron Ashby's coming back. I still love their bullpen. I don't know why you wouldn't love their bullpen. I'm excited to see what D.L. Hall can do. And their offense has gotten so much better. So, at the very worst, they maintained from where they were last year, even though the team looks differently. They won 92 games. They might lose some more one-run games, but 85 wins? I don't see why not. Uh, this one really stuck out to me. Uh, I, I, I always, I always marvel when people say things and I always want to go, why? Uh, this is from a guy named Bill who said, our talent is still there and council is no longer around to turn those wins into losses with his overanalyzing of every little thing. Murphy's going to let the game dictate the moves more than relying on the computer that what it tells him to do. Plus we're going to be able to beat the Cubs more because council is going to turn their wins into losses. My question is twofold. One is, Craig Council is the winningest manager in Brewers history, one of the most successful managers out there, and yet you're going to just say the only reason they lost games is because of Council. And how in the hell do you know Pat Murphy is going to just let him play and the game's going to dictate itself? Murphy was his bench coach. Murphy was the guy that's standing next to him going, "Here's here's your note of analytics. Here's something that we talked about. Here's here's the numbers we looked at. <laughs> that that's just a guy that hates Craig Council. That's all that is. That's just a guy that hates Craig. I just I, I crack up. How would you know that Pat Murphy's going to go? Ah, let him play. What do you have to go on? Pat Murphy's never been a major league baseball manager before. I just I find it funny. Uh, another one said, I think Matt Arnold's done a good job uh, augmenting the roster after the loss of key contributors from 2023, such as Burns and Woodruff, uh, Canna, Santana, Tyrone Taylor, Adrian Hauser, not to mention the loss of arguably the league's, league's best manager and now public enemy number one, Craig Council. Uh, they say 84 wins, that's, which is about average, which is about where a lot of people seem to think. I say 85, give or take two games. If they go higher than 87, 88, that will be an impressive season. And if they go higher, put it this way, if they go higher, if say they approach the 90-win mark, 
you would have to say, offensively speaking, that this is an unbelievably exciting team to watch. That would be, if there would be a headline that would come out of the season, I mean, you could talk about MVPs or, you know, somebody that got hot or whatever. But if you looked at this team and you said they won 90 games, you would have to say, because you know you don't have, unless somebody comes, like Freddie Peralta suddenly becomes a Cy Young Award winner, and Wade, Wade Miley's the Wade Miley of four years ago and doesn't go down with an injury, you would have to say this had to be one of the most fun teams to watch in the National League because that means they're scoring runs at a five-plus clip on a night-in-and-night-out basis on average. And that means they're doing it because they don't have, like, just a bunch of boppers on this team. You would assume that Christian Yelich gives you 25-plus, that Adamas picked up where he left off, and he gives you 25-plus. Hoskins maybe goes you know, 30, 35 or something like that. And suddenly you've got uh, some pop out of some guys you didn't realize in the outfield. Maybe Churio has come up and ignited. Freelich is playing the way he did, but better. Same thing with Garrett Mitchell. And you've really been able to figure out the third base position. You know, something would have to just blow you away if they ended up winning 90 games. We would have an absolute – I'd be sitting on the patio every night just sitting there with bated breath just waiting for the Brewers to come on because it would be just such an incredibly fun team to watch. That's why they're excited in Cincinnati. Not necessarily because they got a little bit better pitching, but because last year the style changed. Now, you know, De La Cruz came up and, and kind of, you know, really ignited that team to a certain extent, but he wasn't always great. He made a lot of boneheaded running mistakes on the base paths. He ran them out a lot of innings, even though he's got tremendous speed, because he always felt like he could take the extra base. But they've got a lot of pop, and they can play – especially down there in Great American, they can play long ball or they can play station to station and they can run the bases as well as anybody for the most part if they if they eliminate some of those stupid mistakes. So that's the reason they're excited because it was a fun brand of baseball. I think that's what we're going to get here in Milwaukee this year. That's what I'm excited about. So there you go. Anything else today? Did no, I think else? we covered just about anything or everything. We're going to have uh, more football stuff tomorrow. Mike Clemens will be here for the final hour. I'm going to see if we can circle back with Mike Renner as well. Sure. Uh, hopefully we can guilt him into it after he missed today. I'm right. waiting for that text. So I'm going to try to use that against him to get him on get him on tomorrow. Talk a little, talk a little draft with Mike, Mike Renner tomorrow. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah, hell yeah. Good stuff. All right, that'll do it. We are out. That was a fast four hours again today, man. Holy crap. Four hours up, four hours down. Until we talk again 20 hours from now, have a great day. Get out and enjoy the sun, uh, and it's going to be even better over the weekend, so we got a lot of fun times ahead of us. Until then, time for us to go. Have a go. Woo!